electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Meme Stock Mania with the guy who wrote a book on the Reddit Robin Hood ape crazy saga, Ben Mesrick. What are they actually worth? I think the reality is they're worth what the mob believes they're worth. And we're zooming in on the ABCs, the pants, of course. When you feel your best, perform your best. Yeah, we do in these pants because we're free and easy. It makes us better. The wonderful world of athleisure with Lululemon CEO Calvin McDonald. What has been accelerated is the interest in being fit, the interest in well-being and functional apparel. Those interviews plus Ukraine and Tom and Giselle on the Bitcoin bandwagon. And day one of the Theranos trial complete. Look at this on Squawk Box. These guys had her guilty right from the very beginning. (laughs) None of us can be on this jury. It's Thursday, September 9th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. I hope we're going to talk a little Lululemon and and, uh, maybe some GME GameStop. Talk about earnings that uh, just did cross the tape last night. Lululemon CEO on. Uh, That's to be good. We got to. We can't just focus on the ABC pants. We we need to to delve into. You think it's it's a broader it's a broader move. Broader. And I thought. I don't know, Becky, maybe you have yoga clothes or something, but the two of us, either one of us conducting this interview is, is a little bit uh, conflict. You think conflict at this I don't point? know. You guys I, you talk know, if about you're your about... lemons much more than I talk about mine. Right. But yes, I probably have more. I mean, if Kaplan's in trouble for, you know, opening up the, the Fed spigot and then buying socks, I mean... But I'm not invested. I'm invested, you're invested in the... You're invested in the... far as they're on my legs. Some I know skin? they are every day. In the every game, day. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Same, same with me. So the, both of us have Lululemon pants on every demonstrable conflict. We, we should. We just got to give him a tough interview. We got to okay. give him a tough interview. Ukraine, uh, the latest country. You got Ukraine and El Salvador. I mean, who, who else do you need? Uh, the latest to legalize and regulate Bitcoin in the past. Authorities there have created or have treated cryptocurrency as a scam and often confiscated expensive equipment without any grounds. But the new legislation that gives crypto owners protection against fraud, legalizes digital wallets, as well as virtual assets. Unlike, though, El Salvador's rollout this week, the Ukraine law doesn't facilitate the use of crypto or put it on an equal footing uh, with the country's national currency. Uh, but it will open the crypto markets uh, to the country's businesses and investors by next year, uh, by 2022. I mean, I can give you a list of countries where, you know, that have currencies. Right. Where, I mean, shells would be better than, the, I mean, of course they're going to say Bitcoin is better because right. the currency is, you know, there's like 800% inflation. So there are places where, you know, little beads. Or uh, you've might, seen the $10,000 bill or 10,000 local currency. No, no that Zimbabwe was yeah, $100 Zimbabwe. Billion. Right. Was it $100 billion? $100 billion you can get a soft drink. Yeah. 
A nice one, though. A nice sugary one. Yeah. Can't get one here in New York, though, after Bloomberg. We should also tell you about United Airlines updating its vaccine policy for employees. The company says that workers who are granted religious exemptions to the vaccine policy will be put on temporary unpaid leave starting next month because of the rise in COVID cases. The workers will be allowed to return to the work, they say, once the pandemic meaningfully recedes. Employees who don't work closely with customers will be allowed to return to work after new testing and other measures are put in place. United said that if an employee's request for a religious exemption is denied, they'll have five weeks to either get vaccinated or they will be fired. And workers who are given medical exemptions for the vaccine will be put on temporary medical leave. It's fascinating because this this is the issue, Becky, in terms of it's not just what should the policy be? It's then how do you enforce the policy? And I know a number of executives and CEOs who have thought about, I want to put a policy in place, but then I don't really know how I'm going to enforce it. Can I enforce it? What's going to happen? So you're starting to see uh, a couple of different examples of how companies are pursuing it. Elizabeth, how did today go for you? It's true you still steadfastly believe in this technology, even after all this? If you're acquitted, will you start another company? That is the sound of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes leaving the first day of her criminal fraud trial in San Jose, California. Holmes became famous nearly a decade ago, gracing the cover of business magazines when her blood testing startup promised a bold new technology that could test for disease cheaply and quickly. She is accused of raising hundreds of millions of dollars from investors through hyping the company's technology with little proof of its efficacy. She was even on Squawk Box six years ago this month. Elizabeth, it's great to see you this morning. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, we, we've known you for a while, but this is the first time we've actually had on air, had you on air with us. So I, I'd like to kind of take it back a little bit and just let people understand who you are. What made you think that, yeah, I, I need to leave Stanford right now and do this? We were looking for a way to build a system that could help make early detection and prevention a reality in our healthcare system. And we've spent the last 12 years working to make lab testing more accessible because lab testing is a key to being able to get the data to see that you're sick. In the courtroom yesterday, prosecutors accused Holmes of being a liar and a cheat. Assistant U.S. Attorney Robert Leach said, quote, out of time, out of money, Elizabeth Holmes decided to lie. Let's get back to Andrew. Lance Wade, an attorney for Holmes, argued that, quote, she made mistakes, but mistakes are not crimes and a failed business does not make a CEO a criminal. What? Now, yesterday's hearings <laughs> lasted five hours. Holmes arrived to court along with her husband, her mother, several other friends and family members among spectators in the courtroom were three uh, women with blonde hair who mimicked Holmes's signature look, wearing uh, that all black uh, with their hair pulled back in a bun. Uh, they sat next to Holmes's family in the courtroom. Some people thought it was a bit of a, a bizarre. They didn't know what was going on. Uh, the trial expecting to last until... December. What's the defense? That's the defense. The defense, the defense being is, that oh, she may have lied, but that doesn't make her a criminal. Like nobody heard of it, Sarbanes-Oxley or the idea that they were continuing to test patients' bloods and, and giving them medical diagnoses. I don't have sympathy for this argument, but the argument is that in the valley, unlike in the real world, as if somehow the valley is a different <laughs> place, that people uh, basically, you know, saw a dream. They have a dream, they have a vision, they're, they're on their way to that vision, they might make some uh, mistakes along the way or shortcuts. It's a little bit uh, fake it till you make it. 
kind Fake of thing was sort it, of the. Again, there were people again, who were counting on these some, test results coming back. With I can't be on this samples. jury, Becky. I've uh, already made my. No, we, my we, we, we've every, been, everyone knows where I. Stand. We've been thrown off the jury, but they, they were sending out. What, before they reported back to the people that were using their tests, they were sending it out to get the results, knowing that they weren't getting it with their own equipment. Right. And, and I guess the one thing that maybe Silicon Valley does it. They can say we have this proprietary technology that's so unbelievable we can't share it with anyone, so we can't even tell you about it. That's right. why they got by with it with Cleveland Clinic uh, and others. But the, per- the people there, like her, I would assume, had to know that this, this, what was in the black box, was, it was absolutely empty. Yeah. And, yeah, a failed business doesn't mean that there was you know, criminality, but... It's like the necessary but not sufficient. Yeah, Enron, right. Madoff, all those things. They happened to fail, and then other right. companies happened to fail. So they all failed, but some of them were criminal enterprises, and then they failed. Right. It's, it's not that you know, this right. just happened. It, Fraud this, is a different standard th- than yeah, failure. Yeah, exactly, than, than, than failure. Right. So, uh, yeah, we, we probably, like I said, I, right. I don't... We, we don't want to I mean, sue the, think, We don't want to cause a mistrial. Right. Like, look at this on Squawk Box. These guys had her guilty right from the very beginning. So we're, I'm not. Look, what the prosecutors want to do is play with the idea of intent, mens rea. That's the mm-hmm. whole idea is to suggest that she could have never had the demonstrable intent. No, I to, thought that, that it, she was like PTSD'd from the domestic. Well, abuse. that might be a whole other issue. That, that's going to be something else that they're going to well, that, bring up. Which I don't like, think throw everything at it and see what sticks. Right. Right. And then I was thinking about defense lawyers. And just how much I love them. Because everybody deserves a robust defense. Everybody deserves a But the stuff they come up with, with a straight face. And then they'll look right at you. And just, they, they'll take a, they'll pass a polygraph telling you this ridiculous, made-up story. But that's what you want. Yeah. That's why, when you need one, you want a lawyer like that. But it is a weird profession. You know what I mean? That you can be so... Uh, I, I admire most of them. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I do too. When you need one, you need one. But they're it's an, they're an interesting breed. <laughs> None of us can be on this jury. <laughs> is there a Tom Brady Giselle bunch in Portmont too? There, there really isn't. Uh, is there like a Benefer or something like that? Uh, no, no. Anyway, or, we're calling them a celebrity couple. They're so much more, obviously. Uh, I mean, Brady, the goat. Yep. Hey, Joe, how did you not get this Brunchton? You can make it yourself. But which one? A brunch, Brunchton. Yeah. Brunchton, you Brady can do that. Brunchton? Uh, uh, let me think about it. Uh, you know what? My mind's not, not working. It's like when, when I try and do that language that you're good at. Ixnay, uh, I can't do it. Atenley? Yeah. Uh, celebrity mm-hmm. couple Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen are, are starring in a new commercial for... Crypto exchange platform FTX. Here's a look. This guy. First, even if you wanted to come back, we wouldn't take you. Yes, you would. Yeah, yeah we, we would. would. You're right, we would. What's up? I'm getting into crypto. With FTX. You in? We're providing gives 360-degree access to the crypto markets with the ability to trade everything from alts to DeFi. I believe I'm in, but still hate you. Understood. Take care. Best of the family. The ad's going to begin uh, running tonight during the NFL kickoff game between uh, Tom Brady's Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys. It features Tom and Giselle making calls to football fans, including Patriots fans, uh, and the New York Jets' fireman Ed. New York York Jets' fireman Ed uh, to promote. What do you think? Are you in? You know what? I'm in. Let's call everyone. Hang on a minute. How dare you call this number? Okay, I'm in. 
whatever. Programming note. Uh, oh, there it it's is. On, it's on uh, NBC. NBC, make sure, the make mothership. Sure, I can't wait, except it's 8.15, so I guess I can't wait. Make sure and catch the NFL kickoff game tonight on NBC. 7 uh, and p.m. Peacock. Coverage. Coverage uh, starts yeah. at 7 p.m., but there's a baseball game on it, like 1.15. You That's have a problem. <laughs> Coming up on Squawk Pod, author Ben Mesrick is at it again. This time, he's unwinding the wild tale of the meme stock madness. People are surprised the stock has stayed this high for this long because the fundamentals don't match the price. But I think people have to understand this is a new world and the markets don't work that way anymore. That's up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. GameStop, back in the headlines. Since the entire Reddit, meme, ape crazy saga began in January, the stock shot up nearly 950% in less than nine months. But all things that go up, for no fundamental reason, that is, must come down. Such is the case with GameStop. It's down around 60% from its highest trading price. And for today, it's likely to drop even lower. The company reported quarterly financials yesterday, which means if tradition holds, the day after will be a rough one for shareholders. Last quarter, the stock fell 27% in a single session after its report. So these numbers were fine. GameStop narrowed losses since last year, and the company held a conference call to add some color. Greetings and welcome to GameStop's second quarter fiscal 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Except when CEO Matt Furlong took the mic, he didn't add that much color at all. The whole thing lasted less than 10 minutes. No Q&A from investors, no reaction to Reddit, not even a hint at how the mall retailer of video games, how the fundamentals of that company are ever going to catch up to its sky-high valuation. In terms of our outlook, we are not providing formal guidance at this time. Thank you again for your support and interest in GameStop. Here's Becky Quick. Joining us right now to talk more about it is author Ben Mesrick. His new book, The Anti-Social Network, focuses on the GameStop saga, and it's out right now. And Ben, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Great. You look at this and we watch what you've gotten into from writing everything from the accidental billionaires that then turned out to be the social network movie about Facebook. How did you get in into this, into GameStop? When did this kind of grab your fancy? Yeah, I was watching it happen like everyone else. I mean, the stock market was exploding. GameStop was flying through the roof and it was all being run by these kids sitting on their couches reading about it on Reddit. And everyone started to email me and say, you should be writing this story. And so I, I literally just dove in that morning. It was like January 26, 28. And uh, I, I sold the movie and I kind of figured out what the drama was. And it, it's just an incredible story of, of David versus Goliath versus Goliath's cousin versus Goliath's brother. Uh, but it really was one of those stories of, of regular people taking on Wall Street and trying to bring down the house. So I really wanted to write it. 
you always look for the drama and, and ways to really get people interested in things that, that might not be as interesting otherwise. And, and so the idea of, of villains and heroes definitely has to play in this story. So who are the villains here? Who are the heroes from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, you know, the hero, I think the original hero is this kid. He's in his basement in, and he's from Brockton, Mass., like a working class area, and a guy named Keith Gill. And he was kind of a guy who was fumbling around looking for something. And he fell in love with the Stop GameStop, which was kind of a r- ridiculous company at the time. I mean, they weren't doing well, but he really fell in love with the stock. And then he started posting about it on Wall Street Bets, which was this Reddit group that has grown to 10 million people. Um, the villains, you know, in this story were Wall Street, essentially, was the idea of the guys in the suits and the ties who were shorting a beloved company, um, hoping it went down to zero uh, during a pandemic. And I think the the mob of Reddit people got very upset. It goes all the way back to 2008 and Occupy Wall Street and the idea that Wall Street has been, you know, screwing the little person for a very long time. And here was a chance to strike back. And then there's Robin Hood, which sits in the middle of all of this and ends up, you don't. You have to decide whether they're a villain or not in the story. Ben, you're, you're looking at a snapshot in time, um, and, and I think everybody was kind of cheering on the idea that you couldn't be a short seller whispering rumors about a stock and, and, and have that stock come down. I think people were really thrilled to see the retail guys come back and say, no, 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 we're going to protect you from the short squeeze. But we are quite a bit past that at this point. You look at the stock now trading at $185, we had an, an analyst who used to cover the company, Anthony Chicumbo, who was on earlier. And I don't know if you heard some of his comments. He said things like, look, the emperor has no, no clothes. Eddie Lampert with Sears all over again. That's what he compared this to. My last uh, valuation was 10 bucks a share. And, and, and I, you know, I haven't covered the company for quite some time, but there's nothing to make me think that, it, that it's worth any more than that. Uh, you know, for this stock to have a $15 billion valuation is the dumbest thing I've heard in quite some time. What do you think of, of, of people who are coming out and saying it doesn't make sense that it's worth $15 billion? You know, what I'm trying to say in this book and what I think the reality is, is that the fundamentals and the value are, are untethered now. I think that the price of a stock isn't necessarily related to the fundamentals of the company anymore. And you see this in crypto with something like Doge. But the reality is if everyone loves the stock, the stock goes up. Um, I do think GameStop has a chance of pivoting, and I think that's the goal. If they can pivot into something that really takes advantage of the digital world we're living in, they have a mass of people who who love GameStop, who spend their time in those stores. And if they can switch to a digital uh, type of business, um, they really could survive. But what are they actually worth? I, I think you got to read my book, but I think the reality is they're worth what what the mob believes they're worth. And I think people are surprised the stock has stayed this high for this long because the fundamentals don't match the price. But I think people have to understand this is a new world and and the markets don't work that way anymore. Yeah. And I just I wonder if that lasts. I mean, you've been around a while, too, Ben. Usually when the fundamentals separate from from where the stock price is, at some point there is a reversion to the mean. Do you think this really is a completely new reality or do you think that this is another story where not GameStop specifically, but just the general feel, things like NFTs, things like crypto. Is there a point where there's a reversion to the mean? You know, I really don't. I think there's ups and downs and ups and downs. I think what you see with crypto is this sort of peaks and valleys. I don't think there's a reversion to the mean. I think there's this is the new normal. These ebbs and flows, these massive stock rises when a bunch of people, you know, sentiment trumps fundamentals now. If everyone really wants something, it's going to go up. And I think you're going to see this again and again and again. And Wall Street has to take that into account. 
you you are somebody who finds characters and finds stories and then kind of latches onto them and then can find more and more and layer it in. And I'm I'm thinking about the the Winklevoss twins who showed up in the Accidental Billionaires, and then you came back with their crypto book about them. What do you think the next level is for for GameStop? And I know the book's just out and it's just going for sale, but. Who are the ca- characters that really captured you? And I'm thinking maybe Robin Hood, just based on what you said. Yeah, so Robin Hood, to me, I'm fascinated by. I think Vlad is, is you know, I, I describe him as sort of Prince Valiant running around a unicorn in Silicon Valley who suddenly stepped into banking. But I think Robin Hood sits at the center of this new economy. I mean, this portal, I don't know if you've used Robin Hood, but it's fun. You know, the idea of gamifying Wall Street. Well, really, it is like a video game. And, you know, confetti popped up when you buy your first trade and everyone anywhere can suddenly trade with no minimum balances and no fees. But the reality is they make their money off of these people. They make their money by by selling their trades, essentially, this payment for order flow. So I think Robin Hood sits, is, is a big character in this story. Um, you know, I, I, I love Robin Hood, and I think they're fascinating and incredible, but I also think it, it is going to change everything once every high school kid, college kid, and up um, is using it, which I think is inevitable because it's the easy, fun way to, to trade. What about people like Mark Cuban and Elon Musk and how they play into this new world? Yeah, Elon is, a, is, a, is, you know, there's a big chapter about Elon because I think Elon sits in the center of this. He hates short sellers. He's, he's always been vocal about that. They tried to bring down Tesla. And so when he sees this going on, he just tweets game stomped. And it changes everything, sends the stock spiraling towards $500 a share. Um, and he's, he's kind of the ultimate troll on the Internet. Uh, but, but he's beloved by the Reddit mob um, because he, he, even though he's a billionaire, he's not the guy in the suit and tie. Um, and then Mark Cuban, of course, was was behind the whole game stuff. He loved the fact that this was happening um, because, you know, he's kind of a man of the people, even though he's also a billionaire. Um, so I think you saw this division between people who supported uh, the Wall Street banks and people who really wanted to see retail traders win for once, um, which they did for a short time. <laughs> Ben, I want to thank you for joining us today. The book, again, is called The Antisocial Network, and it's out now. Great to see you, Ben. Thank you. Great seeing you guys, too. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, Lululemon races to new highs as shoppers continue to spend on workout apparel and comfy pants. CEO Calvin McDonald. I've said all along that the brand really is early innings, and I think this is a quarter that just represents that. We're excited to arrive early on our five-year growth plan. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Stand by Joe in three. This is Squawk two, Pod. One is Mike Q. Morning. Welcome back uh, to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kern along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. U.S. equity futures are uh, flat, totally. But we have seen, I don't know, they 
we have talked, Becky, Andrew and I this week about October and how we, we usually October can be really scary. And the reason it's scary is because of September, because the bottoms are made in October after the breaks in September. And we thought maybe Tuesday looked a little, Definitely last like, Friday yeah. a little it's like it wanted a, a little bit. Like the minute we got out of August and people got back, it looked like maybe with pudgy penguins. I don't know. I used a lot of, the, you know, what are they? The board apes. The board apes. Pudgy penguins, rocks. Uh, you know, crypto, all these things. And you just wonder, but as long as the Fed is our best friend, it makes you wonder whether there could ever be another October or, or September. But it looked like it was trying to start. I don't know. I don't know whether it really is trying to start a 5% pullback or not. But what would we have? Three, apes, the excited apes. Three straight days, Becky, what would you say? Three days of down. Three days S&P. down for the S&P and the Dow. In fact, the Dow's been down six out of the last seven sessions, but you're still talking about the Dow only being down, right. I think, 1.68% from its all-time right. high. And you've got the S&P maybe a half a percent from an all-time high. The Nasdaq maybe three quarters of a percent from an all-time high. Things don't go down until they do. Yeah. That's the way it works. And, and I don't know whether we should be thinking yep. about, you know, so, uh, Becky, I, Andrew likes September. I said I don't like September. I don't like September because I remember being I hate being going a back ki- to school. I hate yeah. the kids are back in school. I hate the summer's over. But it is a beautiful time of the year. It's it is. The, the weather. It, I mean, minus today's rain. Yeah. Clear. Yeah, right. But clear and crisp and you can feel the, the fall. But you know what's coming. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I prefer spring. But uh, anyway, uh, actually, I prefer winter because of the. It's going to be It's going to be summer at some point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Because everything goes too fast, as you know. Perhaps uh, the stock of the morning, 13% gain. Lululemon shares soaring after the company uh, beat analysts' second quarter expectations, gave better than expected third quarter and full year uh, outlook. Appears Lululemon's wardrobe works for both at-home employees and those returning to the office. Joining us now is Calvin McDonald. CEO of Lululemon, the, the results were, were above expectations. So I tried to figure out what was better than analysts were, were expecting. Plus, I think the sales goals you set for a couple of years from now, you, you've, you've already hit. So I said, okay, was it online or back to stores? So it was both. So I said, was it people going back to work or was, was it people staying at home? It was both. Was it men or women? Men, it's doubling. So it was like across the board. I, I'm, it was, was anything just beyond the pale better than expected, Calvin, or, or it's just all uh, cylinders firing? Morning, uh, Joe. It really is uh, all cylinders firing. The Power of Three growth initiative that we laid out and we've been uh, innovating towards for the past three years Uh, I've said all along that the brand really is early innings. And I think this is a quarter that just represents that. When you look across our product, across gender categories, when you look at our channels uh, and our markets, um, all are growing very healthy. So the balanced uh, growth across every initiative uh, that we are deploying and interacting with our guests, I think is just reinforcing the fact that we're early innings in that growth. We're excited to arrive early on our five-year growth plan and excited about, uh, you know, the future. You think it's, is it workout clothes, Calvin, or, or are people wearing workout clothes going back to the office since it seems to be a little bit more casual or wearing comfortable clothes at home or all of the above? Again, I always hate pointing to all the above, but there are two things that, you know, we had great momentum and strength in the business pre the pandemic, during the pandemic. And we always said we were well positioned post the pandemic. Um, And a couple of factors uh, coming out uh, of the pandemic is I think um, what has been accelerated is the interest in being fit, 
the interest in well-being uh, and functional apparel. And that is the sweet spot of the brand. That is the sweet spot of Lululemon across all of our markets. So I think it is all the above. Uh, people are definitely using the gear for what it's designed for, which is performance. Uh, as well, they are appreciating the functional uh, wear of the gear and how they can use that both at home, office, or when they are being active. Performance at work, Andrew, the two of us. So we perform at work <laughs> with the ABC. Right when you feel your best, you perform your best. Yeah, we do in these pants because we're 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 free and easy, uh, and it, it's uh, it, it makes us better. It, uh, how about it's margin? That's for sure. Yeah, Calvin. I, okay, so raw material costs, labor costs. You're raising uh, what you pay your employees to 15 to 17 at least uh, an hour. Is that something to be uh, concerned with in terms of just margin compression in in the future, or or no? You can overcome that with with just better sales. Uh. Well, no, we, we, we were excited to be able to accelerate our plans to uh, raise our minimum wage to 15 to $17. In addition to that, our store employees, as well as those at our GEC, have an opportunity to earn up to $6 in our bonus. Uh, so we didn't cut that in order to fund the minimum wage. So it really is a, a wonderful opportunity. We're looking to hire 8,000 uh, new employees heading into the holiday so it is a proactive move to maintain the momentum in our stores, invest in our teams and people. Uh, and there are a lot of initiatives happening around the innovation and in our raw materials, working with our manufacturing partners. So the guidance we gave uh, factors in uh, the impact of air freight right now, uh, which is impacting margin, uh, our positioning on our minimum wage, but also just the overall success of the brand where we don't use discount or price as a lever. We truly lean in on innovation uh, of the product. Our markdown penetrations are low. They are traditionally at a lower level. Our product isn't very fashion-driven. It is fashionable, but a lot of core sales and product that allows us to lean in on inventory, which plays to a lot of the advantages that allow us to get a mix across the business uh, with the good margin. Why no supply chain issues? Everybody else in the world has, has got some problems. And, and you have any? Is that an issue? Well, I, yeah, I definitely I didn't say no supply chain issues. I mean, like many, uh, we are dealing with the disruptions that are happening through the pandemic. Uh, as you know, last year, we were one of few that uh, didn't cut an order with our manufacturing partners. We stood by them. Uh, we honored our commitments and we worked through the inventory, again, for all the reasons I mentioned. But I think those strong relationships, uh, coupled with an incredible team that's, you know, uh, has been doing dual sourcing, about a third of our goods come from Vietnam, which is currently the region that's uh, most impacted from our perspective. Uh, it has impacted the flow of goods. We've been leaning in on air freight. Uh, we have uh, guided uh, to the numbers with a phased reopening in September, which is what the government has signaled to. But with dual sourcing, able uh, to lean in on air freight, we have a little bit of balance. But there's definitely disruption, disruption in the flow of goods that we are seeing. Um, and sales in the quarter uh, probably could have been even stronger if we weren't having to face some of those disruptions. Wondering, uh, so you can just do what you're doing with what you have and you, you, your penetration isn't to the point where you need to worry about slowing growth from that. But are there other things? I mean, you must constantly look at, be looking at innovation uh, or co-branding or I don't know. How do you take it to the next level? Or do you even need to do that? We don't have a lot of time left, Calvin. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, one, the exciting element of our growth story is its early innings rooted in what we do well today. The activities we've identified, the product categories, men's and women. Uh, we have launched um, a number of initiatives. We've signaled footwear, footwear and mirror. So we have a lot of innovation in the pipeline. I, I, it's a longer, like, it's always a longer always conversation. A longer conversation. <laughs> but we got five seconds. Great to have you on. We want to have you back. Would love it. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 